Roots Race and Culture is made possible in part by the contributions to PBS Utah from listeners like you. Thank you. Hey everybody, you're listening to Roots, Race, and Culture, a new podcast from PBS Utah. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your friends. All right, now let's get this thing started. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Roots, Race, and Culture, where we bring you into candid conversations about shared cultural experiences. I'm Daner Gerald. And I'm Lonzo Liggins. In today's world, nothing has become more common and popular than social media. It's brought us closer in so many ways. Some might argue too close. If you count the number of distracted drivers you can spot scrolling through their phones on the road. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really like to just watch them jump when you honk at them because <laughs> they're paying attention to the phone more than the road. But there's a myriad of pros and cons to talk about here with this subject. But we're going to focus on the unique and influential role that social media plays on black culture and the powerful influence that black culture has on social media. And today we are joined by some fabulous guests. Oh, I'm yes. telling you guys, it is about to go down. We have two very influential people in the house, starting here with Rachel. Hi, my name is Rachel Weaver, and I am a part of the Black Menaces, and we are a social activism, social media group that started up in February of last year with me and my four other friends who went to Brigham Young University, and we just post TikToks. Nice. You guys are making big things happen. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of big it. things. And then, of we're, course, of course, the legendary hey. Kenny Akers. Yes, there we go. Humbled. I'm humbled, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Name is Ken Akers. I'm an ex-military guy, I'm born and raised native here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. And I am very influential on Twitter. Yes. And yes, I push you are. A lot of information out on there and uh, cause a little ruckus as well. So I'm happy to be here today. Good Thank ruckus. you for joining us. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, there was, uh, Dana was, and I were talking the other day. He was telling me about some statistics, and um, I found it quite fascinating, and I want to share it with you guys. So according to the Nielsen's 2021 African American Consumer Report, 51% of black people spend their time daily on TikTok. Mm. 29% are Instagram dailies, and 60% use Facebook once a day or more to communicate with family and friends. Mm. Now, that's a lot of people. Those are some big numbers, really, when you, when you think about our nation, right? But, you know, a lot of the people in the older generation question the merit of social media. Right. You know, they, a lot of them feel like um, there's... I mean, there's literally books out there that talk about the science of creating habit-forming applications, which mm -hmm. a lot of these social media apps mm -hmm. are doing. And um, I, I think there's this feeling that we're creating sort of a generation that's unable to have actual face-to-face -face interactions and, and they spend more time on their screens than they do talking to, to people. So tell me, what are, your, um, what are your thoughts about that? How would you counter that argument? Let's start with you, Kenny. I think, I appreciate that. That's some interesting numbers too, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think um, from my standpoint, I think social media, what it has done is allowed us to connect individually with certain individuals that we would not see on a daily basis. Mm. And so there's a new platform or there's a new communication that's happening out there amongst people because where I'm at, the influential part, you know, I'm not back during the 60s or the 50s, you know, mm. back when the old civil rights leaders were having a, you know, megaphone and they were standing on the corner or Capitol Hill speaking. This mm. way, my megaphone is that platform mm. and I'm speaking to thousands and thousands of people. And mm. so if it impacts that individual, good you know then we make shift we can make movement we can make growth and, yeah. and bridge those gaps in the community so i find it very influential and um yeah it's working out fantastic that's great uh, how about you rachel what do you think about those ideas um i understand them and i talk this about my with my older family members but i think one really cool thing about social media is it allows for people to feel validated in their experience that mm -hmm. might feel really isolating like here in utah in particular just very low number of black people 
people and being at a predominantly white institution, posting videos like we have on TikTok has really helped us to feel validated in our experiences from black students who go to school in California, black mm. students who go to schools in Texas, Florida, wherever it may be, and feeling like we are separated in lots of ways, but also there's a singular black experience in lots of ways, yeah. and we've been able to connect ourselves and other people through our videos in a way that wasn't possible without social media. I can I feel agree. that kind of argument. I mean, I it agree. seems like yes. you're saying like we're actually creating a sense of community in 100%. places where somebody Absolutely. may not normally get that chance. Absolutely. Well, creating a voice. Because yeah. I feel like it used to be, I don't know if yeah. you all agree with me, but back in the day, only certain people could speak about things. Oh, sure. Only certain sure. people could have a voice about things. If you had something to say about a show, if you had something to say about an artist, mm -hmm. you had to write a letter, you right. had to sit down, write that yeah. letter out, send right. it in and hope that they saw it, and hope that you were, your voice was even heard. Now, right. you can get online, spew it out there, and if what you're saying has any point or, right. or validity, right. then you have a valid voice all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, and that, I think that's great. And, and that, that goes back to, I mean, you guys are known on social media as activists, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to relegate that kind of concept to ancient history. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, this wasn't that long ago. You no. hear a lot of people saying, no. hey, well, why are we still talking about this? But, you know, okay, my dad, right, he, when he was young, he was in a department store, okay? And there was, you know, the nice, cold drinking fountain for the whites, and then mm. there was the second class <laughs> warm, warm water for the black. Mm. And he got this crazy mischievous idea and switched the signs, mm. okay? And then he goes and he hides inside a clothing rack and he's like, um, you know, waiting to see what happens. Along comes this white lady and this, she looks and she goes to drink and she sees the fountains and she starts wailing, oh, they just stole the water, they stole the water, oh, and all these people start showing up, and pretty soon he gets, like, panicked, because all these people are here, and she's freaking out, so he takes off. Comes back a week later, the signs, instead of, like, hanging there, now they're bolted down. Right. Wow. <laughs> and this is my father's lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not ancient history. No. And if you really honestly think about it, where we're at in age two, it's something that we had experienced in our youth. Mm -hmm. You know, and the things, especially for me growing up here in Utah, right? Yeah. yeah. We talked about this before that Utah is typically about 30 years behind any other state. You know, mm -hmm. it's not moving as fast as other places. So for me growing up here, I was experiencing just exactly those things while we were growing up here in, in Utah. So it's not that far, you know, and we're able to speak on these experiences. So 100% yeah. correct. Yeah. So, I'm curious, um, well, Rachel, you guys are going back to activism. That's kind of been historically relegated as a student-centered mm -hmm. movement, right? Mm. I know some civil rights uh, leg legends, honestly, yeah. and um, you know, some of them, they kind of hung up their hat once they graduated college and that kind of thing, and they started going into their regular lives. So what, what happens to the black menaces after you all graduate? How's that gonna look, do you know? Yeah, um, this is something we talk about a lot actually because two out of the original five of us, we have graduated and that includes me and Nate and then three people um, graduate this year. So we all, by the end of the school year, will be done with our time in college. And so we want to evolve into always empowering marginalized communities um, within colleges and universities, but also our passions are outside of just school, you know, they're in all injustices and mm. all avenues. And so we wanna be able to move to support in diversity and inclusion in all spaces, just cause that's what I do for my full-time job outside of Black Menaces. And oh, wow. I know that's what um, other people are passionate about in different areas within our group as well. So we hope to evolve into other positions that allow us post-graduation. I'm right. curious with you guys, in particular with you, Kenny. Mm. When you hear the term black Twitter, <laughs> what does that bring to mind? Because, you know, when I hear black Twitter, I feel like that's there's there's, there's a power structure there, but I would love to hear what, what your thoughts are. I want to start with you, since you're, you're, you're big on Twitter, <sighs> right? That's your thing. I'm humbled by your, by your kindness, my man. <laughs> I think, um, Let's just go back to us, culturally. You could put us anywhere and we're gonna create our own dynamic, you know, and that's just natural for us to, to, to have our own. You know, we, we gravitate to each other, we communicate to each other. 
we can uh, see a complete stranger and pick up a conversation without even knowing each other and, and have the same relativity in, in, in life in general. Black Twitter, again, that megaphone has connected so many of the black community. You know, there are so many more interesting things that are going on on black Twitter because I find myself on black Twitter and I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And I'll mm -hmm. be out there mm -hmm. for, for, for days, mm. you know, reading stuff and researching stuff that's getting put out there. So it's a better way for me to have that barbershop shop talk mm, mm. that's a good way to put yeah. it with particular individuals that I may not see right here in Utah mm -hmm. that's great so so being in Utah sorry I didn't no 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 Be, being in Utah that's a that's a unique place for us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm curious about the black menaces like what kind of questions do you guys ask what what is it that makes you so unique in, in your perspective and, and what, what's, what, do you, what did you do to, because you guys blew up. Yeah, you know? we did. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, no, seeing you guys overnight. on CNN and no. everything. Yeah. yeah, unexpectedly too. We did not anticipate that. We really just picked up our phones and we were like, let's make some videos about making fun about BYU. And in our early videos, you can see we're laughing in a lot of them uh -huh. because like we were, you know, trying to laugh through a lot of the pain that we were experiencing. And mm -hmm. really in our videos, as we started to make more and realize the traction we were getting, we wanted to highlight the uniqueness of going to a very conservative white university, which mm -hmm. I mean, predominantly white institutions are most colleges, right. but the unique numbers and how white it is, right? And over 80% of the student body is white and very, very conservative, very, very religious. Yeah. Um, that creates its own unique culture and issues associated with that that is just not common and known to most people outside oh, of Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we really chose questions that will highlight that unique experience for us as black people at such a Christian conservative white school. I don't, whenever I watch those, I notice that when you ask the questions, you'll ask the question and just kind of, you know, that's it. Yeah. You never just like, why is that? Why, why do you feel that way? You know, you guys just stop at uh, yeah. the question. Is there, is there a reason behind that? Um, I think really we just kind of wanted, to, we really just wanted to pick up on the difference in the way people thought mm -hmm. and really understanding that. We didn't, it, we, figured if we ask more questions, people kind of want to say more and maybe giving information that isn't answering directly the question. And so we just ask straight up, like, why do you feel this way? And, and that's it. And then we walk away because we don't want to even leave any sentiment of what our feelings are. Mm. Because when you ask that, sometimes your own feelings get involved. And yeah. we just wanted to highlight what they thought and their perspective and let people who were watching have their own takeaways from their own comments that they made. Mm. Yeah. Now, so when you start to build a following like this, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife that, you know, sometimes influencers make mistakes. They say things and it can really have a negative impact on another sure. person's life. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it just happened recently. Um, and so in, in, in my area and this young kid basically was getting death threats and these things mm. because some influencer said that he was dressing in blackface during Halloween which is this incident that happened down there in Cedar City. And he actually wasn't the person who did mm. it. So his whole life got like thrown in a whirlwind. So that makes me think like when you start to develop this influence, because not everybody's necessarily qualified to have that kind of right, a voice, right. how do you curate your content? How do you decide yeah. what's worth posting mm. and what you want to avoid? That's a good question for me. Um, you know, having that military background comes along with some integrity guidelines for me. Um, I do have a structured morality in regards to the things that I bark about on social media, and I do take in consideration that doxing is, is out of the picture. So what I try to do is I try to lasso as Tell, much. Explain doxing for those who may not be familiar with it, yeah. like myself. I mean, so <laughs> in, in maybe a layman term, putting somebody on blast. Oh, got you, know, you, got you. Straight up putting them on blast. Here's your name. Here's your place of business. Here's your work. Here's right. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And Exposing this is them. this is where right. this person's at. Mm. So I try not to get into that nitty gritty, nasty work because it's just a little bit too much and going yeah. over the edge. So what I try to do is I try to corral the incident and I try to pick out the particulars in regards to what had happened. And then if I need to on, on my level, and I do have that level and the people that I communicate with in, in, in the city, mm -hmm. I will notify certain individuals and I will let them know this is the incident that's been brought to my attention. Okay. 
you might want to take interest in this. So you have some connection to Very police much so. and Absolutely. Some government people. Police, like. government, I mean, you name it, in medical field, name it. And Which so, puts you in a really high level of responsibility. Sure, absolutely, 1,000%. And I take even the most minuscule or even large problem very seriously mm. because I don't want to disrupt somebody and have that kickback on me because I do have a uh, responsibility to the people that follow me and, and I'm trying to educate them and try to put out the proper information so I don't want that to backlash on me and discredit the work that I'm trying to do for us. You're looking sharp in that, that bow tie hey. too, by the way. <laughs> so what are your work. ultimate goals with, with being on social media? Is it, is, is it to educate? Is it to you know inform people? Or do you feel like it's a form of activism? Do you it's, feel like you're... Um, oh, please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the black ministers in particular, we have a mission statement. If you go on our website, like yes. we want to help marginalized communities at predominantly white institutions. That's like our focus. And But really, we want to give a voice to people who feel voiceless. I feel like mm -hmm. that's been kind of an evolving goal of ours as we've made more videos and done more just content and things around our purpose. Yeah. Um, it is really helping people to feel like, oh, here's a group of people that represent me when I don't feel represented. There's been countless people who feel like, our videos represent them and their unique identity at BYU. We've had people come up to us crying. We've had people write us letters thanking us or people who go to different schools. They just feel so validated and represented, represented by what we do. And so our purpose is really to create an education for people who aren't aware of it because they learn a lot. And it sparks conversation for people to think about themselves and the way they think, but also um, helping people to feel validated um, by their experiences through what we do. I love that. Yeah, we actually have a video of one oh. of the other black medicines. We okay, which one? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's find out. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and pop it up here and show it to our viewers. Hi, my name is Sebastian Stewart-Johnson, and I'm the executive director of the Black Menaces. I really think that the success that the, we've had as the Black Menaces has allowed us to truly step into our space of being able to amplify and empower as many people from marginalized communities as possible. Just about two months ago, we did a nationwide protest with about 30 different universities, um, in particular to queer rights. And I think we would never have had that opportunity unless we've had the success that we've had where, you know, 700,000 plus people follow us and we're able to connect um, with millions through each video. Um, so I think it's really allowed us to amplify and empower as many people as possible. Because of social media, I think the black ministers that we've been able to initiate this type of social and cultural change at BYU, but in also colleges across the country. Um, I think one is to start conversations. We've had numerous people come up to us saying, because of our videos and because of the, the questions that we've asked that they and their own home are able to talk about hard topics. They're able to you know, have that foundation of a question and the, the response and the understanding that, oh, we need to be aware of this. We need to think about it. Um, kind of opening minds in that way, but also the social and cultural change also you know, can be seen on different college campuses. We've had a, tons of um, black students and other students of marginalized identities and communities come to us saying, okay, we want to be, you know, work with y'all. We want to show the world that our experience at our university isn't the best experience. We want to see how we can work to change that. I think one difficulty that social media can have on myself and on, you know, a ton of people is that it can really narrow our ways of thinking. Um, the difficulty is that with algorithms to increase engagement, you know, social media platforms, they, they send you what you already think, what you already feel, what you laugh about. They send you who you already are in your mind. Um, and I think that, you know, is helpful at times, but it can be a little difficult because it can narrow your mind. Um, I think the way that we counteract that is that we have to make sure that we're always engaging in full holistic education where we're not only engaging to, you know, have confirmation bias, but to enhance our minds, to engage and to understand in a greater level than we did previously. Um, and then we're really counteracting the algorithm and we're, we're, we're beating what Jeff Bezos doesn't want us to do. <laughs> counteracting the algorithm. That's a little bit of what you do when you post on social media. Yeah. You think about these these things strategically. So. Very, yeah. much so, very much so. Now I want to bring this locally, okay? Because mm -hmm. because both of you all are you know here in Utah. Yes, There's a lot of chatter that's been going on over the last couple of years. You know, take for example Donovan Mitchell, mm -hmm. the stuff that's mm -hmm. happened in the Davis School District. A yeah. lot of talk about racism in Utah. Does it exist? You know, was Donovan Mitchell treated poorly here while he was here? 
I'd love to get your thoughts about um, how social media has played a part in maybe exposing some of the racism, or if it was just always there, right? you know, and, and, and how maybe social media maybe helped to really, really bring it to the light. Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, of mm -hmm. course, and there's a lot to unpack about any of these topics. I think, I think you have the believers then you have the non-believers. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, you have these individuals that are questionable, either either side of the fence. If, if we're speaking about these things, the non-believers are gonna be out in swarms to tell us that these things don't exist. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're hearing. We're hearing the non-believers speak up the loudest. But the ones that are actually in the middle that are listening, they're not speaking out because they're listening and they're trying to hear us and they're trying to adjust to what the problem is. And these are a lot of professionals here in Utah, you know, legislative, you know, to police departments and all types of areas. They may not be speaking out the most, but they are listening to us. Mm. And so I think, you know, what we have to continue to do is we have to continue to speak and we have to continue mm -hmm. to get that out. Donovan Mitchell was huge about that. And, I, and I've done mm -hmm. a lot of talking about his um, particular incidences that he was exposed to being pulled over. Mm -hmm. And he was treated as a normal citizen in regards to the stereotypes mm -hmm. and, and those things that go along with getting mm -hmm. pulled over being black in Utah. Yeah, and so while black. Yeah. <clears throat> and so he's had those experiences that um, he's tried to speak about. And, you know, it's he's got a lot of backlash and those are the disbelievers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are in the middle are listening and, and they're trying to adjust those things. But it's not moving fast enough. Yeah. So we have to speak about it louder. Yeah. What do you think about him? I think that exactly what you were saying, I think that this just gave a platform to what was already happening, particularly sure. at, you know, on a university level. We just, it was already happening. The way people thought was there. Mm -hmm. The comments they were saying weren't new to us, right? right? right, right, right it right. just amplified what we already knew. It gave a platform to expose what the real problem was here. And it really called to attention things that people maybe weren't questioning before. The mm -hmm. people were like, oh, this is just how it is. This is just how people think and there's nothing wrong with it and I think what has been cool is people who maybe have who weren't interviewed by us but kind of thought like the person that we interviewed mm. and mm -hmm. realized hearing it back what that sounds like oh, and yeah. saying yeah. oh wait yeah. maybe that isn't right maybe I shouldn't mm. think like that and it has yeah. made them self-evaluate and question why do I believe this why didn't I know who Rosa Parks was why didn't I know who mm. this other influencer yeah. Yeah, right. black person is that they showed right and right. so that's kind of been a really cool part of what we've done is it's it's taught people without us even really trying because right. it's made them be reflective of themselves. Mm. Well, I think one area where it's really changed too is when it comes to, uh, for example, when women go missing. I remember yeah. I was here, and I know you were probably here at the yes. time when Elizabeth Smart was kidnapped. Right. It was huge news. I mean, right. you couldn't go anywhere without right. hearing about right. Elizabeth right. Smart. And a lot of people in, in, in minority communities, we would be like, you know, we've got women missing. I remember mm. there was a young, you know, mm. little child here named mm. Rosa right. Tapia that was right. missing. She was right. killed and nobody was paying much attention to that, but Elizabeth Smart was a big deal. Mm. We were saying those things, but we weren't being heard. Right. Nowadays, when someone goes missing, in particular, if it's like a white woman, it's a big, huge deal, right. social media goes crazy. And mm. people are starting to become more aware of that now. Right. So I yeah. think that's one very positive effect of social media. Well, you said it earlier too. I mean, we're, we're in the room now. Right. We're in here. Yeah. We don't, it's, we have to detach ourselves and think that we no longer need their permission. Mm -hmm. We are not we asking go. for yeah. their mm -hmm. filter anymore mm -hmm. to say, hey, mm -hmm. I have a problem. Is there something that you guys can talk about this or, or shunt some attention to it? We don't have to do that anymore. We can do it ourselves. Well, it's that galvanizing effect of having a platform with so many people listening right. and hearing the right. voice, right. then, you know, it's, it's kind of like television, you know, for a long time, that was how, people were influenced because right. they were all watching TV. Yep. But now is all these ways. And I really appreciate the fact that you care enough mm. to spend the time to do it. Cause it's not easy. No. It's a lot of work. That's one of the misconceptions about social media. People mm. think, oh, you just, you got a phone, no. you can just post, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. First, first and foremost, man, I love me some us. Yeah, that's where it starts. I love us, you know, mm. and not that I don't love anybody else either, but mm -hmm. The culture and the beauty and who we are as individuals, I, I want to protect that. Right. You know, and I want to protect that for future generations to come, man. Yeah. I, wanted, I was curious for both of you. Do you get a lot of hate 
Do a lot of people come <laughs> at you? Oh, oh, man. Man. Do a lot of bad feedback. Ooh, come yeah. on, man. Whoa. All day. I, I know it's a couple minutes. We, we, we can talk about it in the podcast, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do more. We're going to do more. Uh, we we got yeah. more, but just like kind of a quick one-minute, you know, Reader's Digest version of yeah, some of the hate uh, that no, you guys No, I mean, you name it, man. I get the death threats. You know, I get people that recognize me from being on other television programs, and they approach me, and they say hateful remarks. And, wow. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty aggressive sometimes. You know, some people say some pretty foul stuff, so... You know, I don't know how you guys, if you get that attention to as well. Um, it's a little different. Um, yeah. I think people, the the supporters are very loud, and the haters are a little more quiet. And mm. they're normally anonymous, like fake social media accounts, oh, and they yeah. will troll um, our accounts and say sure. different things more on Instagram than on TikTok. We've noticed. And Has the institution been supportive? The institution has been no, nothing, no support, nor okay. outward. I'm trying to stop us either. So, so they're leaving you alone. That's, that's, they're leaving us alone. Yeah, mm. but that is a form mm. of support. I guess <laughs> for that sure, institution. Yeah. So sure, sure, we'll say that. Um, I just kind of wonder how it would be if we were on the other end and there was a really popular, you know, right. like white group of students who came up with this amazing thing. That oh, brought attention. oh, you already know. They've highlighting a different reality. I mean, we're making BYU look bad, and we're we're showing the parts of BYU that they don't even want to admit that they have themselves, that they right. are clueless to still and act clueless to, even though there's. I mean, our whole TikTok is evidence of a racial problem on campus. But yeah, 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 yeah. we have the people that give us hate. We have been called crazy things. Like people will email us hateful things. Okay, hold on real quick. Okay, I want to hear this stuff. Okay. We're going to talk yeah, more yeah. about this later on. We're going to wrap right now. Yeah, yeah, Let's get your handle real quick. Yeah. Okay. How do I get it? Hold, it's holy, the yes. black. It's black menaces everywhere. T Instagram, Twitter. The black menaces or just black menaces? Black menaces. Black okay. Menaces. All, all, all social media. Instagram, Twitter. Kidding. Yeah, yes, everywhere. sir. Kidding. TikTok. My strong point is Twitter. You can find me, Ken E. Akers. A-K-E-R-S. That's Ken Acres. Beautiful. So. And we're also going to be having a great guest in our podcast, mm -hmm. uh, another black menace. Yes. Who was that? Nate Bird. Who Nate Bird. Nate is like my big brother, I feel like, so I'm so oh, happy to have yeah. Nate on. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining right. us. We'll get back to this conversation on roots, race, and culture in just a moment. PBS Utah is also home to other dynamic podcasts. More Than Half covers some of the most challenging issues facing women in Utah and how it takes all of us to make change happen. Here's a clip from the episode, A Separate Space. I don't think a lot of people realize that it's just not common for people of color, especially women of color, to see themselves in the stories that, you know, we're reading. Subscribe to More Than Half wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to Roots, Race, and Culture from PBS Utah. Hello, hello, what's good? We're back, Roots, Race, and Culture, the podcast edition. This is like the after party yeah. right here. This is when things start really <laughs> popping. We've got Rachel and Kenny with us, but we also have another guest. Please introduce yourself, my man. Yeah, my name is Nate Bird. Um, I'm also one of the Black Menaces, been with them since the beginning. I recently just graduated from BYU back in April of 2022, and uh, yeah, just moving forward. Right on, right on. Well, congratulations on graduation. Thank you. That's a big milestone. You got a job, what are you doing? What, what's going on? Um, yeah, so I'm currently, I'm in the process of getting hired, so I don't want to say anything about that, but okay, um, okay. Yeah, I, I am, I'm working on a job, so. Yeah. Got you, got so you. So whoever it is, hire him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've all given our recommendations. Yes. Well, let's keep the conversation going. We were talking about, about hate. <laughs> we were talking about the hate about, Yeah, and Nate's a good media. time to bring in, no offense, him and Sebastian are more, um, well-versed in the hate that we receive. I kind of just close my eyes to that. Okay, yeah. tell us about it. What kind of negative, <laughs> what oh, kind of fires are they, you they, having? They, they, we, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of very loyal haters. I learned, you know, I learned a long time ago not to engage mm. um, or not to, you know, you can you can acknowledge a little bit, but as far as engaging with them and giving them your energy, it right. doesn't doesn't make sense to do that. So, um, you know, when it comes to people, if, there's, if it's somebody that's willing to have a conversation, uh, regardless of what side of the spectrum they're on, I'm always willing to have a conversation. But if they just want to just argue or just kind of take away from my time and my energy I never give it to them mm -hmm. um, but yeah we have some very loyal haters they follow us on every platform they make sure to comment, comment on, on every, every video, video. Oh, so man they love us to death or yeah, hate us know, to death you, you know them by name 
Oh yeah. No, yeah, he, we he, he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know, you're not really doing anything right until you have some haters, right? That's very true. <laughs> That's how you know you made it. There was a like a national journalist, sports journalist, who went on like a 30, 40 minute rant about us and I watched the whole thing. Oh my gosh, Just, I forgot about that. I was gleeful. He he yes. called us demonic, satanic. Oh my he, gosh. Why was wow. he saying that? There are people ranting. on YouTube they have like you there are people who have YouTube videos of us just like critiquing yeah. what we've done. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so when we made it to like a national podcast, that's when I knew we made it because he yes. was I mean, 35 minutes just ranting about us, and I was like, I forgot you. about no that. No such oh thing as bad publicity, right? <laughs> I forgot about wow. that. Well, what, what kind of things was he saying? I'm curious. Oh, I'm, it's been a while since I watched he it. But said he said we were that like we the were... devil. Like, he compared, he used a lot of like analogies of like, you know, bringing in Christian things, and we are not Christ like, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, he said that we were some of the worst that Gen Z had to offer. Oh, wow. Typical, typical uh, smear campaign, man. Yeah. I mean, it's know. just, he, he, they don't he like what you're doing, so they're going to, they're going to, you know, barrage you and put you down. Uh -huh. Right. And press the they movement. Can. And there's this people who will listen too, to that, so. yes. even though there's well, no there, coherent reasoning behind it. Oh, there's it. people right. in the comments, like, there are people in the comments agreeing, like, yeah, terrible group, like, mm -hmm. they do so much wrong, they're highlighting the, this is not true about BYU, so. Oh, wow. So, Kenny, how, how did you, how was your rise to, to, to become where you are? I mean, you obviously, you grew up here. Yes, sir. But where did you make the transition from military to, you know what, I'm going to jump on and start going to Twitter and, and really going to town. What was the impetus to that? That's a good one. That's a good one. So it's been about three years now. Um, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. They were doing the thing down in Salt Lake City. You know, they were, you know, having all the activity going on, turning over cars and breaking stuff and carrying on. And I was catching this on the news live, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. Didn't really know whether or not if I wanted to go down there and start cutting up about what was going on um, politically or if I wanted to go down there and try to help individuals. And once I started to get downtown, I started to understand I wanted to make sure that the young black kids that were down there wasn't getting caught up into any type of trouble mm. that um, they might get caught in with dealing with law enforcement. So um, there was a mob after they're turning over the police car and everything, they started to come towards 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. I saw and, this video, I believe. Right, and I was—I just happened to be down there. It seemed like a safe spot for me to post up. You know, I was on view and things that were going on. And this mob started to turn towards 7-Eleven, and they started to tear up the 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. Molotov cocktails, they were trying Whoa. to throw it in there and burn it down. Mm -hmm. And just instinctively, my military training just went in, and I just wasn't having it. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I, there was a lot of mixed feelings about whether or not, you know, to let it happen or to kind of join in or whatever the case may be, but what felt right was to stop the action. And I started talking to the kids. I started letting them know there's going to be a better way. We can, we can find that avenue. We just, you know, we need to pull together and, and, and get it together. Mm -hmm. And so once they started, you know, rally around what I was saying, there happened to be a reporter, you know, recording me. And at that moment, that video went astronomically viral, 24 mm -hmm. hours. Lieutenant Governor was at my home at the time, Lieutenant Governor Cox. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, governor now. And um, I've made my political rounds. I've made the world tour on all, all networks, social TV networks and everything to speak about these things. Jeez. And um, I made a promise to those kids, the young black faces that were there, which I've always said on every TV network that I've been out there, that if you're seeing me and you're out here, I haven't let you down on that. Because mm -hmm. I made mm -hmm. the promise that we're going to find a way, and I haven't stopped talking about it since, and I won't stop talking about it. Man, that's what a awesome. life-changing moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's great. I mean, when you're saying that, you know, you, you want to make a change, what kind of change are you thinking about? Um, one, we spoke about it a little bit earlier on the, you know, the viewing earlier, and um, just to be heard, you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's the first and foremost about the change. The other part is, um, I really wanted to stand on what you said is empowering us. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to get out of this mindset that, I mean, yes, there there's some victimization going on there and, and we're targeted based on certain white supremacy and stereotypes and those type of things that are going on there. But what I want to try to do is teach the youth and teach individuals to navigate that laterally to get around it. It's not the dead end spot. You know, we can, mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world at this point. Yes, it's affecting you. I understand it's impacted you because I feel it too, you know, on a day to day basis, yeah. but we can navigate this and get around. And I want that person to achieve because we have um, kids 
that need us. You know, we're yeah. getting, especially for me. I don't know about you, two young bucks, but. You know, I'm getting to the I'm age right that, you. you know, <laughs> yeah, that these two young guys. I'm like two, two months older than yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to I see the younger, younger ones transition over, yeah. you know, and so while I'm right here in this place right now, you know, I want to really throw that hammer down and share that with them, you know, so that they can, you know, carry that torch. Do you guys so, think social media is the answer? Like, do you think it's the answer that's going to help a lot of kids um, be able to educate themselves, to guide their well, ways? There's something about social media, right? right. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think this is one reason why you guys are so successful and popular as black menaces. Right. You guys have a way of injecting humor into the mix, mm. right? Excellent. You yep. know, people want to, to enjoy themselves. They go on social media to smile, to laugh, to learn, too. Right, right. But um, I think that you guys do a really great job of making something that can be somewhat serious, but having a good time and making it seem funny and enjoyable to, to have that discussion. What is, I think that's one of the reasons why you, the young people really are attracted to your content. But is that something you guys are purposeful about? Or is that something that's just sort of a byproduct? Talk to me about that. I think it's a little bit, a little bit purposeful and a lot of just who we are as people. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, you asked if social media is the answer. I think that in a way it is. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you used to be able to watch the news and trust what you were seeing. Mm. Uh, but now it's so obvious that everything that's on the news, uh, you know, on TV is is catered to a specific audience. It's filtered, yeah. Yeah, and with, with social media, you know, obviously there are things that you can lie about, but it's a lot harder to lie when you're watching a video of a police officer murdering a black man. Um, it's a lot harder to that's lie right. when you're watching you know, whatever's going on. So social media is kind of a way to to bring out honesty. There's not a lot yeah. of things that you can cover up. And so I think that awareness um, in younger generations is something that will make a huge difference. And I mm. think that it already has. Um, you know, if you look at, at people who are our age and younger, uh, they tend to be a lot more aware of different people's experiences. A lot more aware than I was when I was, you know, before social media was oh, like a yeah, huge thing. Oh yeah, definitely you know? more than me. Um, and as I've, you know, been more active on social media, I've become more aware. Like on TikTok, you can go into different different uh you know areas of TikTok and you just find things you never even knew about there's line dancing TikTok there's black line dancing TikTok <laughs> there's disabled TikTok there's yeah. Tourette's TikTok there's right. you know LGBT like just all kinds of right. different areas that you can go into so I think it helps with that that's, that's the, great that's the change I think I mean to to encompass the question I think you know just exactly what he said you know that we have a, we have a gap of allyship white mm -hmm. allyship there you know because mm -hmm. amongst us we know what's happening already. Yeah, yeah. We, we can have the conversation amongst us any time of the day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's them that are not exposed to particular incidences that are out there. And so that impact or that change is influencing the white community mm -hmm. and making them aware. So when they're faced with a topic or a situation in a workplace, at mm -hmm. school, or maybe a police officer, mm -hmm. That's the change, I think, for me. That's what I see. So they're not blindsided. Right. So it sounds to me like you're kind of advocating, because you know it's very easy for a lot of people, like you, somebody mentioned earlier, the idea of the algorithm. I think it was on the video that- mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. That, yeah. Yeah. Right, you know, right. like the algorithm just sends you what you want to hear or see, right. what you already are. And I'm really interested, Rachel, in hearing your perspective, first of all, as a female, and then also, in terms of like, how do you convince a white person or someone who's not young that it's worth taking the time to watch these videos? Um, I think, I don't really, off the top of my head, I, I don't know what I have done to make people feel like it's worth worth it I think really I mean particularly what we've done is just being authentic to ourselves and our experience and letting that speak for itself right like I remember in the beginning one of the first videos we did that was like honestly very intimidating to do was talking about um, race in the church and asking people if they think that that came from God mm. right and anybody who's Christian and loves God right you would think that you know God loves all the children and so asking someone straight up like Oh, do you think that something racist like that would come from God? And then having someone just look at the video and the person tells me, yes, a black woman to my face. Wow. You know, like, I think that alone speaks to whatever, you know, you don't have to know what I'm feeling to imagine what that would feel like in right. that moment. Mm. And I think that, that authentic experience happens in our videos is another reason why people are captured, or are so captured by what we're doing because, they can't imagine what that would feel like to hear that in that moment. Like right. there are people who are like, I could never sit there and listen to that, right? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. having 
seeing us take that and just be like, okay, and keep moving forward, I think also helps people to realize this is important and this is strange. And like, again, like I said earlier, kind of people thinking about what they would say and mm. what, what is and isn't right and re realizing this is the reality of these students or mm. these people in this situation, obviously something needs to be done to improve this. Sometimes these are very sensitive topics. Like there's a, I mean, for us, there's a lot of deep-seated trauma in some of these experiences and some of mm. these topics and mm. that sort of thing. What, what keeps you going? Like, like sometimes you got to be like, oh man, I don't know if I could handle that again. You know? Yeah. I got to take a break. <laughs> I got to mm. take a break every once in a while. But um, I think it's 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 pretty. It speaks volumes of who we are as a people. Because mm. one, we're we're impacted by these racial situations and our own um, trauma, as you mentioned before, when we were children. But then we're speaking out as what we're doing here now, platformed and speaking out mm -hmm. and taking the time to educate and pushing forward. That's, that's a big deal. It's exhausting I mean, sometimes. Well, it's exhausting, but being optimistic, yeah. it's, it's cr we've created a hybrid of us. Mm, we right. we're we're getting refined by the fire mm. and we're we're getting if we're bringing religion into it right we're we're going through our trial mm -hmm. you know and i think the more we push through that and the more refined that we get it's mm -hmm. it's only going to make a hybrid of us and sometimes mm -hmm. that 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 pain adds fuel to the fire sure. you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, absolutely what's weird but in utah man it just seems like every time every other month I'll turn on the news mm -hmm. and there's some sort of a racist mm -hmm. incident that right. seems to happen oh. right. nationwide right. in Utah where I'm like, right. like just not too long ago, there's, there's those, it was Halloween when those, yeah. those white oh, guys yes. down in a Cedar City stuff. I got my family members calling me, what, what's going on out in Utah? Yeah, no, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, kids are killing yeah. themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, look, isn't it that bad elsewhere? I mean, you guys are having the same things, but right. we're having these big nationwide events that are happening. Right. Why is that, do you guys think, that this is I happening here in Utah? I think microscope, but I'd like to hear from you guys. Honestly, I think, uh, you know, these things, they happen everywhere, but I think Utah is a unique place um, because of how there's such a, a clashing of cultures mm. here, you know? There's, you've got a little bit of progressive culture, and then you've also got Mormon culture, and then you've got conservative culture, and all of these things kind of meet in this one place. Um, and then also within the culture of the church, there's a tendency to be very, um, perfectionism is a huge part of that culture, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this idea of, of, you know, trying to be perfect, but not really being perfect. And so you have all of those things, you mix it all together mm -hmm. and you end up with kind of a perfect storm of people who feel a certain way, but realize that it's not okay to act that way, you know, on a, on a big scale. And so they try to do it privately, but then those things spill over and it just creates all of these incidents. Well, it's that, mm. that, that hierarchy, man. I mean, let's just put it where it is. White supremacy is thinking that they're better than somebody else, so there's right. a hierarchy there. Right. And so you mix religion in with that, you know, and they think that they are the righteous or the chosen ones, and mm. you create that dynamic of hierarchy, and it just merges up with each other, you yeah. know? Yeah. Especially, you know, having white supremacy or church-related incidences, they just line up, that parallel yeah. lines up. Yeah. And so then there, it's an automatic for them to look down on whoever they're looking down on. Well, so, and, and, and that's, especially if they're not exposed to it. Right. Yeah, especially if they're not exposed to it on a regular basis. Well, yeah. and up until recently, people could go their whole lives living in this state without really having to have their views challenged. 100%. Nor conflicting experiences, right. right? Like, I grew up in Chicago on the South Side, so I was exposed to black people every day from sure. my experience. Mm -hmm. And sure. then as I got older, I interacted with people from other backgrounds and went to a really diverse high school, right? And so my experiences didn't allow me to assume that my way of life, my way of thinking was the only way, mm. was the correct way, because I have friends who were happy, healthy, that lived a life completely different than me, right? Mm -hmm. And weren't even born in this country, right? right. In Utah, that's not the case because of how homogenous the state is as well, right? Like you have friends who are your same religious, ethnic, cultural background, like same sexuality, everything, like nothing yeah. is different about right. them. Right. And a lot of other people in your space are 
similar in that way. And so why would they ever feel like there's another way? And they never had an experience that challenges that that white supremacy they were raised in was wrong and wasn't okay. And like I said, up until recently, Utah is becoming a little more diverse as the years progress, right? Yeah. And Salt Lake in particular has made a lot of strides and is more diverse than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. But historically, those old people in this state, the older generation that raised everyone that lives here now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. has a lot of power in this state as well, yeah. also has never had to do that. And right. now they're being forced to, mm -hmm. which is where that conflict comes in because it's like they've lived most of their adult life comfortable and now they're forced to be uncomfortable and see a reality that they just don't value nor think is true because it hasn't been their experience. You yeah. know, that's like you, somebody said earlier, Utah's like 30 years behind everything and that's kind it's of kidding. like the civil rights <laughs> movement. But like that's like the civil rights movement, right? right. There was yeah. the, the America had to do that, you know, 40, mm -hmm. 50 years ago right, now. Right, right, right. And and so, but now with the diversity hitting the state, now this, the state is having to do it, you know, yep. or the, the people who've been here the longest and, and who haven't been exposed to that much diversity. And so it's I find that really kind of, Right. prophetic what you were saying and it's areas it, notice yeah. the areas that it happens in too like you don't hear a lot of these incidents coming out of salt lake it'll be right. like davis county it'll be right. like cedar city it'll be look places where there are no black folks well look right. at the demographic in salt lake i mean uh, you could go to the you know davis county mm -hmm. from salt lake i could go down to salt lake and i can speak to normal white folks mm -hmm. and not have any problem Right. Okay. They're going to look at me as a normal human being. Yeah. There's, they're not going to question whether or not if I'm stealing something in the yeah. store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, while I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Sorry. Or, or, or a bow tie. They're not going to question what I'm doing down there because a lot of these white folks are coming from different areas or they're mm -hmm. exposed to more black people right. down there. So it's normal for them. Yeah. Okay. Right. But I go out in Davis County. Okay. Mm -hmm. mm. Everybody's watching me. Wow. Everybody's, everybody's checking me out. Everybody's seeing, you know, what I'm doing. They want to pay. They want to see what kind of car I'm driving. They're watching me out when I go out and get my vehicle and stuff. Wow. It's, it's a different. It's a different atmosphere to what you had just said. Mm -hmm. But Salt Lake City in itself, in that city range. <laughs> yeah, is, that's great. Is, is, is a fine. Yeah, there's there's place some to be. Well, and even within Salt Lake, like I used to live in Murray for 12 years. Sure, mm. I could go to the grocery store in Murray, probably not see another black person for about a week. Right, it, it right, might take right. a week before I see them. I just wow. travel six miles away, mm. and then I'm in West Valley. I see oh, black yeah. folks every day, all, all day. the time. <laughs> I mean, it, wow. it, it's it's just it seems like it's whatever part. So people will say to me, "Oh, you know, Utah is so white." I'm like, "Not where I live. You know, well, where then, I live, it's pretty diverse." That goes that goes on the the idea what you're saying too that people aren't challenged. If you ask anybody, you know, where where they get the stereotypes of who, where are the problems in the city? Who's, mm -hmm. what are the good areas mm -hmm. in the city and mm -hmm. where are the problems? A lot of times they'll always say West Valley. Right, mm -hmm. yep. Because there's that, you know, demographic of minorities, blacks, Hispanics, Asians and stuff out there. Yep. You know, versus them saying, well, Davis County's kind of crooked, you know, they were, they were just out there stealing candy bars. You know, people are like, wow, that's crazy, man. Stealing candy bars. Wow. Yeah, you know, we're, we're bringing it back to social media. Yeah. Uh, what would you guys like most for your, you know, people out there to know about, you know, yourselves as far as your group or your organization? What would you like them to take away from this conversation? We'll start with you, Rachel, mm -hmm. and Nate, both of y'all. Okay. Nate, you want to go first? No, we start okay. with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what I want people to take away is to understand that, you know, really, being a black student at BYU for me was such a hard time in so many ways, but also um, kind of like that refiner's fire that you were talking about really helped me to learn who I was, learn what I wanted to do, um, but also give, has given me a lot of purpose in my drive for equity and seeing how needed that is being in such a white space. And I think really encouraging people to look at what space are you in what spaces do you continue to exist in and like what can you do to make them equitable? That's mm -hmm. what I hope people can take away and think about because yeah, maybe you're not in college anymore. Maybe you were in corporate America and you're a Fortune 500 company making however much money you make. But like look in your space, look in your team yeah. and what you exist in, how many, how diverse is your team? Who do you interact with on a daily basis? What problematic emails are being sent out from the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. Like what language is being used amongst coworkers? Like think about what you're doing in your daily life and how you can be more 
more equitable because that's really what our videos are about. Asking those are those questions are casual conversations that Black people or other minority groups or other marginalized communities have frequently, yes. right? And so realizing, am I having those conversations? And if that conversation came up, what would that conversation look like amongst the people I have daily conversations with? That's mm -hmm. great. How about you, Kenny? Yeah, my, my biggest thing is it's, it's easy to point out the problems, right? And we can, we can find problems and point them out in our community. And I think for the people that support me, one, and first and foremost, I'm extremely humbled by their support because so many people are there. It's just not me alone. There's so many people that, there that are helping. But I, I want them to see when they see these type of video sittings and TV interviews and what you folks are doing too as well is that we're normal. Mm. Yes, sir. We're, mm. I want them to take away that we smile yeah. and we laugh and we have kids and we want to achieve and graduate college. I want them to see that we're normal. You know, it's, it's, it's the friction here and we're pushing back and that's what they see, the aggressive part of it, but they don't understand how important it is to us mm. to have a normal life without mm -hmm. the problems of racism and bigotry and stereotypes and all that mess that goes along with this. Judge us for our character, you know, and see us for who we are. Mm, that's Wonderful. a dream. Somebody had that dream. Yeah, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to close this out. Guys, it has been a pleasure. I have gotten, I, I, I'm so wait, appreciative. Wait, 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 I want to hear what Nate's, what Nate's takeaway. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Not that easy. <laughs> all right, um, what I would say, just to add on to that, is that, um, I want people to know that we can't do this by ourselves. Mm. Uh, you know, as, as black people, um, we can be vocal. We can put out videos on social media. We can, you know, have conversations. Uh, but if, if white people are not willing to change, then none of this is going to, to really matter that much because mm. unfortunately the balance of power is that mostly white people have that power. And so, uh, they have to be the ones who are willing to, to help make changes, right? You know, if, if you are the CEO of a big company, you need to uh, make sure that you're doing everything you can to make that company equitable, not just for black people, but for Latino people, Asian people, people in the queer community. Like, mm -hmm. you have to make sure um, that this is a joint effort. You can't just look at the efforts of someone else and say, oh, that's great, I'm glad that they're doing that. You have to mm -hmm. visibly and physically support that, you know, with, with everything that you do and make specific efforts to right the scales. You know, and, and I'm going to just end with this. The question a lot of people might ask would be why? Hmm. Why should I care? Right? And there's, there's, there's a couple of answers to that. But number one, the answer that everybody will recognize is that at the end of the day, the only color that matters and the color that benefits from equitable treatment is the green color. It's, it's more profitable. <laughs> right? right. And, and everybody wants to listen to the dollar sign, right? So that's one thing that it benefits because more people are comfortable, the more they share, the more 100%. their creativity is, right. then the right. more you success you get, right? right. And, and the other side of the coin, I think, is, is that the reason why is because it is just right. Mm -hmm. We are just people, right? right? And if you ever, if, if you've never been exposed, like you said, to, the, to that other way of thinking, as soon as you find yourself traveling or something or making the wrong turn around the wrong street in Chicago, whatever. <laughs> Chicago. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I don't know if I've said that at all. That's I like saying. Chicago. Yeah. I'm, just playing. I'm just playing. It could be any city in the United States. But you make the wrong turn, all of a sudden, you're walking in our shoes, right? You understand that feeling of not fitting in and not being treated or, or being afraid of not being treated equally. Or, and, and, and that just is, is <coughs> it's just the right thing to do is to make sure no one ever has to have that experience. Right. So, mm -hmm. so anyway, Lonzo, it's group, that's No, it's group effort. I think that's great. And that's a great way to close it out. All right, guys. Hey, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I loved hearing your stories and just learning more about you guys. Like I said, it was about to go down yes. in the dish. <laughs> <laughs> guys, Roots, Race, and Culture, we are out. Thank you. Yeah.
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture. Check out our website for even more content, including interviews with some pretty dope BIPOC business owners. You can find all that in a bag of chips at pbsutah.org slash roots. And you'd be doing us a solid if you told all your friends about our show. But until next time, y'all, we are out. <laughs>